just have Tim with like a stapler right in, in a pocket. <laughs> yeah. And he's just he's just gonna he's just gonna staple those yeah. those those cloths together. Just, just a quick lighter underneath it so it just all welds together. Just like, like just, yeah. there we go. There, done. You're the married as shit now. <laughs> the the knot has Cronenberg <laughs> together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That would be appropriate. I like that. I'd like that. That would be that would be appropriate. Yeah. 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 Uh, God. You know what else is appropriate? What's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pixlet. My name is Kevin. Alongside with me, as always, is Phil. And today we're moving on to part two of Halo, the Rubicon Protocol. Lord and God. and uh don't worry, we actually find out what Rubicon Protocol means in in this section. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We get it. We get it thoroughly explained. So, Phil, <laughs> what happened? Uh, what happened in part one? If you can catch okay. catch those people up who decided to just skip part one and came straight to part two, uh, what, what, what would you tell them? Uh, yes, uh, Halo Rubicon. We're we're talking about the Rubicon Protocol. Uh, we are starting out basically right where there is a cut in Halo Infinite, where the Infinite, the ship, has been attacked. Master Chief's been thrown out by the big bad into the dead of space. Now, in the game, six months later, uh, someone comes by and rescues Master Chief, and uh, they get him up to speed, presumably, and the game starts. But this book takes place in the six months between then when uh, Master Chief is uh, missing in action and everybody else is dealing with how fucked they are. Uh, There's really no other way to put this. And we come upon a group of some Spartans... Uh, we, but mostly we've got some Marines, some Spartans, and just a bunch of people who should not be seeing combat duty. We've got retail people literally running the shops. We've got a mortuary assistant. We've got some medics, just, just regular people, the people who keep the gears of war going without actually firing a rifle. And they are stuck on the Halo. Is it, what is it called? Halo Zeta? Zeta. Yeah. Zeta. Yes. They are on uh, Halo Zeta uh, slash what is left of Halo Zeta and dealing with the Banished, which is an offshoot of the now crumbled Covenant. And in the space of about 110 pages uh, we have had people split up. We have had horrible, horrible Vietnam level style ambush violence, complete with shaky PTSD moments. We've had nasty Spartan guerrilla warfare. We've had an enemy mind situation where one of our Spartans has to briefly work with a brute from the uh, banished side to make it out and come out alive, and uh, they try to kill each other several times, but both manage to make it out of that one alive. We lose a few people along the way, but we get to a point where the majority of our team, the majority of our troopers, our uh, uh, a couple of Spartans, and our, uh, you know, the guy who runs the PX. Barbers. Yeah, yeah. our barbers. That's right, a barber. That's right, what if it was a friggin' barber? Uh, uh, they, they do end up at a way station of sorts. They are safe for the time being, but they have been uh, very quickly assured, don't get comfortable because uh, the shit hits the fan tomorrow all over again. So, yep. yeah, it's pretty brutal. 
it is it is a this book is a gut punch so far. It is. Uh yeah. We're dealing not just with like, oh, someone died. Ah, vengeance. No, we're dealing with I killed someone with my bare hands, and even though it's an alien, I don't know if I can cope with that. I'm not a murderer. I didn't join up for this. Uh, it is, it is, oh my God, like get ready to pour some syrup all over your PTSD waffles because that's <laughs> what this book is. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when we pick up, uh, we're in chapter 13 and it's been about 30 days, uh, since we, uh, last saw any of our characters uh, and we pick up in chapter 13 with uh, the boat crew, as they've kind of been calling themselves. And they've mm. been training for a solid month. And uh, honestly, uh, they've they've become OK. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what's her name? Uh, Dimmick. Um, she is Dimmick. That's her name, right? Yeah. Dimmick. Dimmick. Yeah. Dimmick. Yeah. She has actually become pretty proficient. Uh, in hand-to-hand combat, and uh, the because the chapter starts with Murphy basically doubling over uh, from from a an elbow to the face from her. Right. Um, <laughs> so Murphy Murphy is a pilot, but there's nothing left for him to fly. So he has been put in charge of training uh, the non-military personnel into turning them into some sort of workable, I guess infantry uh units yeah in a a lighter hearted film this would be the 80s montage where they're like i gotta turn these group of punk kids into the best football team in central indiana how am i gonna do that in 30 days and montage kicks in synth music uh but uh but there's no touchdowns to be had uh here just tragedy yeah, it's like just imagine if stripes transitioned into full metal jacket. And that's <laughs> Oh god, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh no. Just edit those two two halves of movie together. Uh, <laughs> never been the same it. since I've seen Harold Ramis say hardcore and and shoot a Vietnamese woman in the head. It's just Hasn't been the same since. Hasn't been the same since. Um, so uh, everybody in the boat crew has their own special roles. Um, and from what we, from what they say, uh, Spartan Hudson Griffin is now basically in charge of yeah. the remaining UNSC forces. Um, and things are, things are, are tense, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's basically what, all all that could be said for them. Yeah. Um, in the next chapter, we get Stone and Covan. Um, they're basically uh, watching a group of Spartans uh, march away from uh, the mortal reverie. And we find out that Stone and Covan were the ones responsible for finding some intel on uh, who the new banished leader is on Zeta Halo. There's a man, it's a brute named Eshram. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eshram is an old, grizzled, brute war veteran who has managed to bring together all of the warring clans of brutes and other aliens in within the Banished to turn it into a, like a unified fighting force. Because without somebody like Eshram, you know, they the 
the banished would also be in disarray. Yeah. Um, but Eshram has has the cult of personality to be able to kind of line them up and get them all together. And Stone and Kovan, you know, they're a little like they're a little bummed to be not part of the mission. You know, they wish they could go out with the the other uh, Spartans, but they know that that's not going to be, um, you know, that's not going to be the case. Not really feasible um, at this point. Not really feasible at this point. Uh, hey, now, uh, oh, boy, um, it's a week later. The assassin, so, so, the so basically the Spartans left the reverie to go try to assassinate Eshram, right? It's a week later. Uh-oh, the assassination attempt failed. Uh-huh. And not only did the assassination attempt fail, Eshram is pissed and he knows where the mortal reverie, like where the UNSC forces are amassed now at the mortal reverie and has vowed retaliatory action. That night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't real fond on giving them a little time to prep themselves uh, for retaliation. I, you know, I mean, the last time I uh, had an assassination attempt upon my life, uh, I was grumpy. I get it. I, I, yeah. I don't, it's, I don't it's, mind saying that. It's a grumpy. He, he's just a grumpy Gus. You feels know? bad, man. I get it. Feels bad. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the banished are coming. They have six <laughs> hours to prepare. Uh, <laughs> and with Every, all of the military illusions in this book, there are so many illusions, World War II, Vietnam, all that stuff. I'm surprised they didn't have like a member of the Spartan force, like riding through screaming, the banished are coming, the banished are yeah, coming, I know. Like, while ringing a big bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so basically uh, the way the chapter kind of unfolds is Murphy, Covan is just kind of, the, all the Spartans remaining on the ship were in a meeting and they all, all come out and they're all like, oh, fuck. And Murphy basically goes to Kovan and be like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, we have six hours to prepare um, for for this uh, uh, this upcoming slaughter. So everyone is it, everyone is gearing up. Uh, Murphy, who he hasn't worn infantry armor in years. I mean, he's been a pilot for a very long time. You got. Um, yeah, and Gavin, Joe, and Lucas uh, Browning, the uh, mortuary assistant and the uh, medic, uh, respectively, are are the ones running the triage tent. And everybody else is basically they're they're in their groups. They have they have these units that they try to put together where they spread out. Like you know, everybody gets like a Spartan yeah. and <laughs> and like three ODSTs. And like five Marines and then whoever else can hold a gun. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's basically yeah. Yeah, they're they're trying to like spread out the wealth of. Right. of it's, uh, it's how we'd all do it if we were playing a turn based uh, uh, strategy game, you know, just yeah. spread it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, everyone is scared and everybody has everybody gets kind of like a moment with mm -hmm. the other person before the banished arrive, which I think is kind of like nice. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, the, those moments end when the first like of the gunfire starts like picking up. Yeah. It's a really heavy chapter. It's, it's, just, it's yeah. bleak. It's you, you really feel how scared these people are. It's good right. writing. It's really, really good. And we, it's good. You know, it's good writing because it then, 
jumps to a day and a half later. Mm-hmm. We're on day 53 now, and the fighting has been going on for a day and a half. And it's just just this bleak, like it op this the, the it opens with Gavin and and Lucas trying to drag a Spartan to the triage tent and like barely able to move them because they have their armor like they have this he has like a gravity plate that he's using to try to make them a little bit lighter right but he's 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 just trying to get the spartan out of the fire and to the to the medical area um they literally want to like tow him like a like a log or something and yeah they, yeah they want to tie a rope to him or something and just drag him behind them at some point yeah and this is kind of where shit hits the fan because from what I gather, the medical tent was basically the one of the most rear positions in the uh, in the setup. Yeah. And so they get there and and suddenly, um, you know, the banished forces start like popping in like, oh, we're here. Yeah. Um, Surprise, bitch. Surprise, bitch. With a big, big old introduction with one of the jackals. Uh, pop like appears behind Gavin and uh, impales him with a plasma sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and of our first kind of like main ish characters, Gavin Joe, the mortuary assistant, is the first to be struck down. Yeah. Um, so he's he's killed by the jackal. Um, everybody is panicking. It basically the line. This is the moment the line breaks. Yeah. Um, and the only option is to run. Mm-hmm. So uh, the reverie is burning. Everybody's on the run. Uh, their Kovan's shielding on her armor is toast. Basically, her armor is like one of those Mark One armors that Master Chief yeah. had back in uh, uh, the Fall of Reach, uh, where because bef- so like before. The original Mjolnir armor didn't have any shields. It was just right. heavy armor. It, yeah, it was just it was it was as effective <laughs> as it was thick. That's really what it came down to. <laughs> um and so they they basically Stone and Kovan uh, end up splitting up. Um Stone is is like doing some scouting. Kovan leads them all into a cave uh to take cover. And Kovan's armor freezes her. There's like a ballistics layer inside of her armor that like a density, it it can change densities. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's designed based to uh, absorb the shock of impacts and things like that, but it's on the fritz and it keeps like hardening. And so there's this moment where it seems like there's, a bunch of banish that's about to attack the cave that they're hiding in. She's like going to go check it out. And she basically freezes and falls over. Yeah. Um, And her armor just won't move, won't budge. Um, So our, our, our little baby boy, um, our our sweet baby boy, the medic, uh, Lucas, Lucas, sweet, sweet Lucas. I love Lucas so much. Oh, he's he's such a sweet boy. He's just um, a sweet kid. You just you just you, you want to put him in your pocket. He's adorable. You want to put him in your pocket. He 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 runs out of the cave. Ugh. 
he jumps into one of the banished ships. I, I think it's like one of those motorbike type yeah. floating motorbike type things. It's a banshee, is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. And yeah. he uh, he takes off in it and he crashes it immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He starts he starts like thinking, ah, suckers, fuck you. You just imagine him like giving them the finger and everything. And then he just he slams a into a wall. <laughs> so he's... Um, but he gets the attention of the search party. The search party yeah. is like, oh, there he is. Um, and Lucas gets up and he starts running and he runs into what he thinks is a wall. And then he realizes it's actually a brute. Um, yeah. And uh, they I love decide. That detail. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, it's a nice detail. <laughs> like He runs into a wall. It's not a Oops. wall. It's a brute. No, it's, it's a um, <laughs> He And he's captured instead of killed by the, the search party. Uh, but his sacrifice um, is not in vain because the search party is like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And they, yeah. they move on. Yeah. And the people in the cave are, are safe. Um, Kovan's AI finally resets her armor, like gets the armor reset and she is, um, she's able to move around again. And she immediately runs out of the cave, can't find stone, mm-hmm. um, can't find Browning. And she is uh, beating herself up. Oh, yeah, over this time. something fierce. Um, Kovan has a like many other Spartans has a big like hero complex. Yeah. And having having that that moment um, taken by the kid, this kid, you know, really uh, uh, not in a, not in like, oh, it should have been me. It's like oh, I'm meant to protect him. And yeah. He it's, was the it's, one who did it. Yeah, it's not in this macho bullshit kind of a way of like you stole my moment. Like, it's just like no, I'm I, I'm literally designed to be the one to take the brunt of that to protect guys like you. And and she even says later down the lines like that that kid taught us all what actual heroics look like uh, by doing that. It's a really wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah, it's a good moment. Um, a couple of days later, the, the crew is still hiding in the cave. Um, and Kovan finally returns be, uh, from her scouting. She returns with some food and supplies and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But basically breaks it down to them that, yeah, there's there's nothing. There's no rally point. Yeah. We're, we're, we, are, we are a group and we are all that we know is out there. Yeah. Nobody's uh, coming. We're alone. We're on our own. Nobody, nobody's coming for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, cool. I was, I was thinking that things were getting a little too easy on us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's uh, a few days later. Um, it, we're on day 59 now. Um, and Lucas is being kept in a massive prison, like this holding camp with a lot of the other reverie folks. Um, and you know, it's, it's just gross. They're all packed in tightly. Mm -hmm. He learns to, he learns early on not to complain or make any noise or, or basically do not get their attention in any manner. Um, you want them to think that you are not there. Yes. Um, and so there, one day there's basically this, uh, everybody's brought out for an inspection, 
Um, and he's standing in line and he gets to the head of the line. And the person that's doing the inspection is human. Mm-hmm. And we find out that there are humans in the yeah. banished army, which is like a weird, weird little detail. Yeah, because um, pieces of humanity did join the covenant. Uh, right. And, and therefore, did, yeah, it's it parallels what you read about uh Interestingly enough, during World War II in the concentration camps that Nazis were very fond of using other Jews to process the other ones, basically giving them some level of, of um, uh, what's the word, extra privilege. Uh, and it, and it, had the, it had the effect of completely, and they describe that in this book, just completely demoralizing yeah uh, the prisoners because it's like oh jesus christ like even even our side is against us on this level yeah yeah exactly um uh so he's inspected by by the guy and uh he's he's like sent off to some other area he's like yeah this guy will do mm-hmm. um and lucas is watching what's happening and basically everybody who is a soldier um, is or looks like they can fight is getting pulled out of line uh, to be like executed. Yeah. Um, and then um, there's this moment where he's sitting in his his cell and the the brutes bring out all these Spartan bodies. There's like a half dozen Spartans um, they in their armor and they are just like, Lucas is like, they might not be dead, but mm-hmm. by the time they're done ripping the armor off of them, they were definitely dead. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it's, it's, uh, I think at one, uh, one point the, there's like a grunt that's just kind of like walking by, um, uh, there's like, uh, there's a cell where everybody else is being held and there's a grunt walking by and he just like throws a canister in there and keeps, you know doing his yeah yap style dance right. as he's walking by and this the little canister releases methane and um just smothers and suffocates everybody in the cell right and lucas is uh lucas is not do- doing well <laughs> lucas ain't doing okay <laughs> our darling sweet boy lucas he, he is seeing this he's seeing a lot of shit oh um, god so he is taken then to the tower, um, which is basically like another prison type of camp thing. It's always it's always good. You know, if you're ever told, like, we're taking you to the tower, it's not good news. Things never, are going well. Never follow a brute to a second location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so he's he's thrown into a cell and there's like a mysterious stranger in the cell next to him um, who is, who is like, Oh, I can't tell you, you know, I, it's better for you if I don't tell you uh, who I am. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's the captain of the boat. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that, cause they keep talking about captain Lesky or something and And he's missing and really a huge morale boost. And yeah, I'm like, that's, I think that's the captain. Um, So that's, that's just my guess. Um, I think you're right. That makes sense. So that entire Lucas chapter is basically takes place over the course of like a month. Yeah. Um, because by the time we pick up, we're in day 82. It's March 3rd. It's the seven year uh, anniversary of the defeat over the covenant. Yeah. Um, 
And in that intervening time, um, there are all these scattered, basically resistance groups of of fighters, and they're they're doing what they can to to fuck with the banished. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's and as as you would as you do, there's a leaderboard uh <laughs> these guerrilla fighters like the that are like odsts uh one is called the grave diggers yeah um and the other <laughs> what, what was the one oh, oh keep the other is called the other is called hatriox that's what i loved it yeah <laughs> because the the big bad of the banished is atriox atriox yeah they called themselves hatriox and <laughs> It's such a it's such a jock jarhead kind of a name. It's so <laughs> nice and petty. It's, and it's fantastic. It's, it's beautiful. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. The so the so uh, the boat crew has made their way to a forward operating base, um, and their cam is on the on the radio fucking about, and we hear. <laughs> I love this. There's a grunt named Glibnub. Yeah. Who has a propaganda radio show? Yeah, <laughs> it's Tokyo Rose. Like that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's basically like he's like, hey, did you wake up thinking that uh, today was going to be better than yesterday? Well, you were wrong. Yeah, yeah. He literally says that he's like, do you? We've got a new. We got a new uh, prisoner. This marine. Did you know that the humans have got to get permission to? fuck well he's not gonna get well guess what marine permission denied you got you're not gonna be able to fuck when you're dead like he's literally saying this shit it's ridiculous and there, and the best part to me is that and and i think i get it because the best part to me is that they're the flight crew they're they're listening they're they're listening to it probably because it, when they're not being scared out of their minds they're probably bored out of their tit like, yeah. of course, we'll even listen to the stupid, crazy propaganda radio because we're that bored. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. So, and a Glibnub apparently is pretty high up on the um, on the list of uh, people to kill yeah. in terms of, like, points. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was that game that had... Um, and I know I think it's it it might be a real thing. I'm not sure where they have like the the deck of cards. Mercenaries. That game Mercenaries. fucking ruled. That was a underrated gem of a game. That game was awesome. Yeah. Where like you had these people to kill and they were they were like uh represented like, okay, so this person is like the the jack of diamonds and this person's yeah. the queen of hearts and this yeah, person and the is higher the, up they are in the the deck line they're like more important it's north korea and you're in the demilitarized you you pass through the de- demilitarized zone and you're just fucking shit up it was called playground of destruction like and that's exactly yeah. what it was god yeah. that was a good game yeah, yeah 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 i remember having a lot of fun with that game oh, uh, yeah. i don't know how well it holds up in terms of i don't either <laughs> appropriateness um yeah yeah a lot of things really but it was fun at the time it so. was super fun at the time <laughs> it was a xbox classic as far as i'm concerned God so uh glibnub is pretty high up on that on that yeah. hard ranking he's, uh, he's he's probably a queen a jack at lowest yeah <laughs> like they, they would love to get rid of glibnub oh absolutely uh, <laughs> Um, and then they get a a, a, sh- uh, a long wave 
broadcasts to all UNSC personnel that Rubicon protocol has been enacted. And Here it is. Um, they're like, well, what's, Ru-? you know, because the boat crew, they don't they don't know what Rubicon protocol is. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, what's that? And Murphy and Covan are like, well, uh, it means uh, complete asset denial. And they're like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, uh, do <laughs> well. N- nothing. There's there's nothing off limits now. Yeah. Uh, uh, poison, poison water supplies. Um, you know, it's like go forth and commit war crimes is yeah. basically Rubicon protocol. Go, it, like there's nothing, there's nothing holding <laughs> you back. Go forth and fuck shit up. Like that's yeah, it's it's all. And I love and I love one of the Marines is like, you mean what we've been doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, we've been doing that. And we're like, yeah. you're like, yeah, just keep doing it. Well, now it's sanctioned. So now it's sanctioned. So <laughs> go go have fun, you crazy kids. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Nerve gas? Oh well. Nerve gas? Yeah, it's fine. It's you fine. know, white phosphorus. Yeah. Good. 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 <laughs> Fuck them. Oh God. Um, so the next day it's day 83 and we get our, we get our friendly cowboy back. Oh, Uh, yes. Thomas Horvath is back and he's alive. Uh, he basically spent a week in a coma with (laughs) his suit taking care of him. Um, and good suits. Those suits rule. Those suits rule. He, he took a beating and he is back on his feet. Um, and he's been, you know, hunting a little bit here and there because mm. he needs the food. Uh, and he's just trying to figure out, hey, what am I, where do I go? What do I do? Right. Uh, and he's just been doing his own mercenaries thing, picking off banished targets one by one. Um, just being like a little ghost in the, in, in the jungles of uh, Zeta Halo. Um, and he's... Trying to get back to the uh, to somewhere with a UNSC presence when he finds this area that the banished has been basically a banished dig site, mm-hmm. um, and he goes to investigate. There's no banished around. They they've completely like left the area, and he finds a temple that had been unearthed in the dig site, um, and he climbs down. He finds more artifacts, like the artifacts that he found on the ship with uh, Gorion. And um, he goes through this little temple area and he, you know, he gets a light. There's a life sign reading and it's a human. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this is weird. He goes in and he finds an ONI agent. Uh, and she is in a pr- pretty bad shape. Yeah, um, she's, she's looking rough. She's had both of her legs broken. She's had her fingers cut off. Um, she's been beat to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just kind of like sitting there waiting to die. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she gives them him the lowdown on like, listen, there have been UNSC and ONI people on Zeta Halo for a few years now, like looking into all this stuff. Uh, she had been doing a ton of research about what's going, what actually is in Zeta Halo. That's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives him the lowdown on. All right, here's here's what they're looking for, uh, and here's where they're going next. 
and then she gives him her name, which is like a breach of protocol. She's not supposed to ever reveal who she is. Yeah. Uh, Kate Stalling. And uh, he hands her his service pistol. Uh, he gives her some privacy. He goes and after a few moments, there's a single gunshot as she kills herself. And uh, then he goes and collects his gun and and uh, moves on. And he's he's he vows he does to give base- her a burial. Yeah, he vows to figure it all out because and kill Gorian because yeah. he is he is like I should have killed. He basically says I should have killed that guy immediately yeah. as he was the one responsible for uh, doing. He, Gorian was the one who 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 did the torturing of yeah. of this ONI agent. Um, so yeah, he feels responsible. Uh, uh, Horvath feels responsible for what happened to uh, Kate Stalling or Jaeger. As her Jaeger, yeah, that was code her name code was. Name. <laughs> yeah, he says he says, "What's your? Do you have a name?" Even though he knows it's a breach of protocol, and she says Jaeger, and he's like, "Uh huh," because there's nothing more like obviously a fake code name than Jaeger. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh God. Um, this is uh, I. I wrote really brief notes, so this is this is. 40 days later, it's another month later, and we cut back to the boat crew. And there is, uh, they do this like inglorious bastards war movie sequence where they find a camp of grunts yeah. who have, they when, when the grunts feel they're safe, they set up this like bubble where they all can just like walk around without their masks on in the bubble because the bubble gets filled with methane. Mm-hmm. And, um, they have Cam and Dimmick running along the perimeter uh, and planting explosives. And then um, it was something like uh, Kovan is up in a tree and she's and Kovan's like, well, there's a good chance that my bullet would be able would be able to ignite this thing. But we mm-hmm. want to make sure. So <laughs> it's something like she shoots the explosive with her sniper rifle. Yeah. And it detonates because methane is flammable. It detonates this entire campsite of grunts, just incinerating all of them. Right. (laughs) And I just wrote in my notes, it was awesome. It's fucking awesome. (laughs) It's like, we don't, we need a break. We need, we need, we need a win. We need a win here. And this does it, you know, and you just don't think about the fact that it's just, it's just grunts. It's just screamy, shrieky grunts, but whatever, we got a win. And it was a very cool win. That's how that's, that's, that's what it's going to have to be for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, while, so basically all these search parties get sent out and they had a plan where it's like, all right, now scatter, We'll, you know, we'll lay low for a couple days and then we'll regroup. And so Kovan is just up in the trees, basically chilling out. And she's like, you know, her her inner monologue thinking about how inspired she is by this boat crew who has, you know, from the time that she's met them, have turned into this like pretty fierce gorilla, you know, fighting unit. Yeah, yeah. Necessity so, had, has made them into just friggin' jungle warriors. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, 
And then, uh, so a few days later, they noticed that uh, the Banished seemed to be uh, amassing towards the uh, Mortal Reverie. Um, they they had kind of moved south of it, but they're heading back north to kind of gather around the reverie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kovan finds Stone. Um, they 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 see each other through their their scopes. Yeah, like sniper to sniper for a minute. I was like, this is cool. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Um, and they reunite and um. So Stone kind of like gives her a lay, gives Kovan a lay down of like, oh, all right. So there's there's a couple of Spartans, Sorrel and Mako, and they've been operating out of there's like a, a forward operating base. So the way these forward operating bases work is they get launched from a ship and they just like land mm-hmm. on in on the planet side. Um, uh Sorrel and Mako, Spartan Sorrel and Mako, have been operating out of a crashed forward operating base. And like, but the communications equipment have been working. So they've been able to like coordinate and like data dumps and like information between the the Spartans out in the field. Um, And then Stone mentions that the banished are amassing and that Eshram uh, might be with them. He might be at the Moral Reverie. Um, and then at the very, at the exact same time that we are seeing this happen, um, that they're having this, they this, this conversation, um, we cut over to Lucas who has, is being dragged in front of Eshram. He is like, Poor Lucas. he is, he has somehow become the chosen human and there is a forerunner device. So. And I guess I never picked up on this, but the only uh, like species that is able to interact with forerunner technology are humans. Right. Yeah. There, there's no that you know that nobody else can can touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work for them. Um, so they drag Lucas in, and Ashram is like, "All right, you know, make him do the thing." And uh, one of the brutes, uh, the brute that is like has been guarding him specifically, like grabs his wrist and like smashes his hand down onto a console and starts opening up this this thing. And out comes this alien that no one has ever seen before. Yeah. Um, it's not like any other kind of alien race that's existed in the covenant or otherwise. It says it has a. Was it a bifurcated mouth? Yeah, something. And, and uh, I think they said triangular kind of headpiece and yeah, very intense. Yeah. Anyway, it's called the Harbinger. Mm-hmm. Um, not a good thing. No, and I'm getting the impression it, it it's really disturbing here actually because uh, the Harbinger basically tells the co- uh, not the Covenant but the Banished that have awoken it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to kill everything. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to undo everything that has ever been. And the leader of the banish is like, "Good." And she's like, "Oh, good. Okay. Uh yeah, great. We're dealing with those assholes on the internet. Okay, great. Great. Good. Okay. And then she turns to Lucas and she says, "This one is mine." Poor Lucas. Poor Lucas. <laughs> I don't know what that means, sweet but baby, sweet baby <laughs> Lucas. Um, so 
the the crew has um um basically the the crew has set up a camp near the the mortal reverie just to like observe what's going on and uh stone uh is able to find lucas he's basically sitting in a in a phantom you know mm-hmm. by himself uh everybody else is asleep there's you know guards marching around um being attacked by a moth <laughs> it literally it charged like, the back of my head twice. I saw it flying around earlier. It like, yeah, it's been kind of going. It's like, whatever, moth, I don't care. But literally just now, it like charged my head, bounced off, got a little more distance, and charged my head again. Come on, dude. I'm so trying to give you some space. My first week living in Savannah, <laughs> I'm sitting in my my bedroom, tiny bedroom, in my apartment, and I see a cockroach crawling on the wall sure and i'm like oh cockroach i'm gonna go smack it or something (laughs) and then it flew at me Uh (laughs) uh-huh now in everywhere else um in in civilized in the civilized world when you see a cockroach it normally is it it's it's groundbound. It, it's just a it's just a dude walking around. Sure. Not in Savannah. Not in Savannah, baby. <laughs> They're not great flyers, but neither are you. Neither so. are you. <laughs> um, they're they're called palmetto bugs. Palmetto bugs. And they will uh when harassed, they just go straight at you. And oh yeah. Yeah, they're aggressive. I'm pretty sure they have opposable thumbs. Like they're yeah. dangerous animals. <laughs> and their wings, their wings have this like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're just heavy, dense meat flying at you with little hummingbird wings. It's so bizarre. They're the strangest animals. Yeah, I don't like them. <laughs> um, or should you? You know, our friend Lee used to do a bit. Yeah. about uh, palmetto bugs and how everything in Savannah is named uh, named like different than yeah. what they so you know you talk about how in Savannah you know you know and it, it, it's not an alleyway it's, it's a lane it's a lane it's a lane and it's not a cockroach it's palmetto bug palmetto bug <laughs> that's a little palmetto bug <laughs> It's just a little palmetto bug. Don't don't pay no attention to that palmetto bug. <laughs> oh yeah, no one no one thinks about the palmetto bugs until they steal your wallet. No, yeah, this, <laughs> those palmetto bugs will they'll 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 wait till you're asleep and they'll jack everything you own. <laughs> they will steal your fucking identity. They will steal your identity. <laughs> fucking palmetto bugs. Fuck. Anyway, it's. Anyway, uh, Halo. <laughs> Halo, the war like the Covenant would have won had they had Palmetto bugs. Probably, I, I'm um, willing to bet yes that if like either side had Palmetto bugs, it would have been just a uh, human sized Palmetto bugs. Oh, it's over! It's over! It's over! It's over! It's over! Um, yeah. So, um, so Stone uh, tells Covan that she's found Lucas. And uh, she realizes immediately that that was probably a mistake Mm -hmm. Um, because Kovan is like, I got to go save him. 
I yeah. gotta, I gotta save him. And Stone's like, I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> yeah, Stone, Stone thinks to herself, you know, if if I tell, I tell Kovan that that Lucas is here, she might do something stupid, and I'm gonna do it anyway. Kovan's like, I'm gonna do something stupid. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I even said to myself that you shouldn't. Ah, oh, god damn it. Okay. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> Uh, they're like, all right, well, we're going to do it at night and, um, <laughs> let's do something stupid at night. That's let's do something stupid better. at night. So stone is going to watch and Covan is, is going to go try to get him. And, mm-hmm. and, and Covan is able to get there pretty without incident. Yeah. The problem is Lucas now has these like wrist things on yeah. that are tied to, I assume the harbinger. Yeah, um, there's some sort of like psychic shackle or something. It's, yeah, he's like, I can't take these off. Yeah. And I'm not sure what will happen if you try to take them off. Or one or both of us is probably going to die if you give it a shot, though. So, <laughs> so maybe maybe not. Don't. Um, And they have a really emotional moment. It is. Yeah, they do. It is a for as much shit as we have gone through as they have gone through in this book. We hit this moment and it's like, oh, it's like, oh, this is almost tears, you know? Yeah, it's very emotionally raw. Basically, you know, like we talked about before with this Spartan that's designed, genetically designed to save these people, you know, facing her inability to save the person that not only she's meant to save, but who saved her. So it's it's not just duty, it's personal. Yeah. And and just feeling completely helpless because she knows that if she tries, probably nothing good's going to come of it at this point. Right. And, you know, that there there's a lot of emotional moments in these chapters where it's mm-hmm. they mention that Kovan is like fighting through a lump in her throat. Like she's she Spartan. These Spartans are supposed to be like, you know, demigods. Right. But we're at a point in this story where they, you know, Kovan especially is it, she's been, she's been broken down by the mm-hmm. situation um, and it's getting to her and it's yeah. getting to stone. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not an easy thing. They've been on here for what's a hundred, uh, 133 days. Yeah. I was going to say, it's got to be like four months at this point, yeah. four months of, of, just the shit, mm-hmm. you know. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, everybody's um, everybody's just getting worn down at this point. So Kovan gives him a a little recording device, just slips it into his pocket, and says, "Listen, you know, if I can't help you, if I can't save you, then I'm giving you a mission, and it's to find out everything that you can about the Harbinger." Yeah. Like just everything you hear, um, it's going to you can plant this device somewhere. They're never going to notice it. And it's just going to start recording. So find a spot and 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 just plant it and and let it go to town. Yeah. Um, and then she she takes her helmet off um, and she gives him a smile like mm-hmm. before she leaves. And it's like this little human moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why she. Yeah, she wants to give him some level of remembrance, some level of of yeah humanity that he can hold on to a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, 
and, and and it's like kind of the opposite of what she has been trained her entire uh uh you know uh spartan career if you will to do uh oh no oh no hello hi you still there i'm still here yeah hold on i think i oh wait you there oh no yeah there we go i, I think i pulled something on the, <laughs> on the yeah yeah it's it, it, you you said almost the opposite of and then it froze. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying it, it's it's the opposite of what, you know, she's been trained basically since her inception as a Spartan to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's she's meant to deny that humanity on a certain level. And, and this is the one moment that she just can't bring herself to do that. It's, right. it's a really it's a it's a tragic moment. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's a few things that. um and then there, we have we have one one final day that we're covering today. One final chapter. It's really brief, but Lucas um, is brought back to the tower, and uh, he's in really rough shape. Mm-hmm. But he decides that he's going to focus on this mission now, and yeah. that's the that's the important of co- importance of Covan giving him this mission is that he has something to focus on other yeah. than just his slow and inevitable demise yeah, at the she's, she's given him a serious gift, you know, yeah. something to focus his energies on. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's a couple things I forgot to mention uh, in the first episode. One, Zeta Halo entered slip space um, when, the, uh, when the ring had its rupture. Mm-hmm. Um, it entered slip space they don't know where and where they are in the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's like you're on a planet doing hyperspeed. You're like, what the fuck is going on? So it's it's just it's it's somewhere in the galaxy. Yeah, they can they're they're going to try to figure it out. That's part of what Horvath is going to be trying to figure out is where it jumped them to. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is. Um, and people who are very familiar with Halo probably already know this, but these Spartans are not the same type of Spartan as Master Chief. Master no. Chief was raised from basically five years old to be a Spartan. Um, Horvath did not get Horvath, for example, did not enter the Spartan program until he was like 16 or something right. like that. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. It's, you know. These Spartans have they they're people that have more experience with humanity, I think, than some of the um the Gen 1 Spartans would have had. Yes, yes. They have they have memories to hold on to and and right. they deal with that a lot. Uh, Horvath, in fact, is uh paralyzed, isn't he? Uh outside of uh the suit. Is he? Yeah, it's something like that. It's it's okay. It's some sort of condition where Outside of being a Spartan as just a regular human, uh, I believe was quadriplegic. I could have missed that, but yes, yeah. it was something like that. Where if uh, he, you know, the surgeries or whatever left him pa- paralyzed, but with the power of the suit, he's able to move around. Yes, that's what it is. Yes, yes. So you know, these these people have humanity and that sort of thing. But it it kind of makes me think a little bit about um, the way I've, I've got I've had friends who are doctors or went to med school or something, and they talk about that a lot about the reason you might think your doctor or all doctors are assholes is because they are trained not to get emotionally involved in their patients because that leads to you know 
you know, it, it, they need to they need to Vulcan it up, you know, so they, they can think logically about what you're dealing with and, you know, right. that kind of thing. And I, it's kind of what you're what uh, what you're seeing here with these Spartans, as opposed to, yeah, like you said, John, the Master Chief, he's, you know, he was raised into this. So he's got kind of a stranger, more childlike um, uh, look at all this. As we've, we've said before, it's kind of a Captain America kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's uh that's what we're covering and we got one episode to go on yeah. on the Rubicon protocol uh, two thirds th- of the way through yeah how you feeling I cannot believe uh Kelly Gay came this hard with a <laughs> video game novelization I'm I'm really hoping we get to speak to her uh because I can't stop thinking about the pitch to you know, <laughs> to yeah. to a, a 343 and and Xbox and to be like, okay, you know how we've been doing these fun Halo space operas and everything like that. What if we take the thrill of space opera combat and replace it with the visceral horrors of war and the psychological toil that follows? Huh? <laughs> huh what do you say like i just i i cannot imagine what that pitch was like so i'm fascinated i I, this this might be one of the most uh this is probably the most emotionally uh draining book we've read on this show it is it is very charged um i I mean that in positive way yeah Uh, in a a very positive way yeah um Hopefully it it sticks the landing next week. Um, yes, fingers but, crossed. But so far, oh god, it is it is top tier. It is at, towards mm-hmm. the top of the books that we've read. Oh yeah, um, yeah, S level, no question. It's it's yeah, it's an S tier book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no question. Um, yeah, no, I'm uh, so as Phil mentioned. I hope uh, we hope to talk to her. We have. We're, we're sending out our feelers for that and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll let you uh, let you find folks know whether we're going to get her uh, get her into the shop, so to Absolutely. speak, uh, to, to talk to her. Um, so with the, all that said, though, mm-hmm. Phil. Yes. What are you playing? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Kevin, because I have I have exciting news. I'm still playing Vampire Survivors. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I am surprised. I know. Crazy. Uh, no, I, I did sit down, uh, and go through, you know, I, it's not enough at this point to just do the achievements. I had to go through the secrets book too now and do all the unlocking that I could possibly do. I fought the little meatball man at the bottom of the tower. Um, I oh unlocked, yeah. 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 <laughs> I unlocked, uh, uh, our, our queen. Uh, uh, who owns everything? Queen uh, Sigma. She Queen is Sigma. just oh, yeah, love it. And uh, and I'm caught back up on the achievements and all the secrets. So uh, I'm back to uh, back to where I began in a way. Uh, after I finished that, though, I have been playing uh, a lot of uh, uh, Cult of the Lamb. Uh, surprising absolutely no one. <laughs> you know, it's. It, I'm not surprised that it's one of those games that's. It, when I was playing, it, I was like, "This is a Phil game." Yeah, I. 
and it's not just the aesthetic and the attitude. It's got it does have my sense of humor. It does it it does, but but the gameplay style is a very very big draw for me. And uh, I beat the first boss, and now I seem to be just completely focused on my cult uh, until I'm fully drawn away from that. Um, I do have something I have to confess to you, though, Kevin. What's that? I well, as you know, because you've you've beaten this game. As I you have, know, yes. Uh, you can, like many games, many strategy games, when you get a cultist. You can uh, customize them uh, and you can uh, rename them. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, and you know, I got excited first couple of cultists. I, I named one of them after my fiance, and then and then the, the second one I named after you. Oh, uh, well, thank Kevin. you. Yeah, I, I thought you know you were and you're adorable. You know, you were adorable. Uh, you're a little little I, fox. With, I was uh, adorable. You were you were you, you were adorable. You had the the, the neat the, the neat culty face paint and just okay. too cute. And I may have had to sacrifice you. Oh, uh, to <laughs> okay. But you were you were a dissident. You started talking shit about oh. about me in front of the other cultists. You made me look like a fool, Kevin. A fool. Uh, so so you you uh, you stabbed me. I I I did you one better. I I I uh, sent you to a higher plane. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you, and, you ascended and me. I ascended That's you, and then pieces of meat fell from the sky. Probably not your meat. Probably. Uh, it's. <laughs> but anyway, I feel better. I'm glad I could. Uh, I'm glad get you could that admit off my that. Chest. Yeah. <laughs> I um, that actually that's funny because that's the way I handled dissidents is yeah. um, if I if I if I needed to, because there is I never unlocked this option. There is an option to unlock murder. Yes. Um, I, I didn't get it. I went in the other direction. Um, I forget what the other option is, but yeah. yeah, you can you can have a you can just like straight up murder, just straight up kill him, straight up kill him. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's better to either sacrifice or ascend them. Yeah. Um, it gives so you a bunch sacrifice of faith for the rest of the group when you sacrifice them. Uh, this eldritch tentacle that like basically reaches up from the floor and grabs them and starts squeezing. And it looks like their head is about to pop. Yeah. And then they get pulled down through the, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, But I think my favorite thing about the game is the, um, before you have an outhouse and your little dudes are just walking around and they poop. Yeah. And like the little shame face that they have after they poop in the middle of the camp. Uh, I, I, I was like, <laughs> it's just so they're so, they're so upset that they have they're to so poop. upset that they've had to poop, but it's, it's everybody poops. It's so everybody poops. No one taught them that, but you know, if you're going to keep them under your thumb, shame is a valuable tool. So I get it. I get it. It's true. Uh, but yeah, I freaking love this game. I, this is definitely like top five game of the year material for me right now. It's it just, I, I played so much of it. That I felt guilty, uh, like on a level that I haven't felt uh, in a long time. Like, like, ooh, like I felt like too I was, much of this. Well, yeah, like I felt like I was twenty years old and I'd skipped like my my uh, chemistry class, you know, or right. something like that to play Morrowind instead, you know, and, and just like that that tells you exactly how old I am. Uh, <laughs> just, right. It it uh, but. But God damn, it's a great game. I'm really enjoying it. So, uh. <laughs> all right, Kevin, what are you playing, my friend? Um, so I am playing. Um, 
right now I'm playing a game called Nightmare of Decay. Ooh, um, okay. Which is a... It's basically like... Uh, I was in the mood for some some Resident Evil. Sure, um, sure. It's it's has the the nineteen nineties aesthetic. Oh yeah, this is got it's, some serious. Uh, it's uh, classic look. It's first person, um, and it's it it basically feels a lot like a really tight, um, small Resident Evil One experience. Okay, um, I have a feeling I'm not too far away from the end. Uh, at this point so we'll see if um we'll see how that goes but i think it's it's a fun game um the only criticism i'd level at is if the developer uh had the time to just like hire a like a ux uh artist yeah yeah you know um like because the the buttons and all like that would be like just the finishing polish just like the inventory and the buttons and all Mm -hmm. that stuff they're they're a little like uh, they're looking a little a little rough. Um, so yeah, it, it, I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's tough with games like these because on one hand, you wonder the problem is is you wonder how much of this is a stylistic choice versus we couldn't afford to hire someone to take care of certain aspects of this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It looks interesting um, though. Worth a, worth a whirl. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I, I think it's good. Um, I think it's a it's a fun little and it's not that expensive. So nice. Um, what else have I been playing? I, I played uh, Vampire Survivors a bit. Nice. Um, I had finished up Cult of the Lamb. I already reported on that. And mm-hmm. I was trying to finish, uh, not finish, but install uh, Singularity. Ah, um, uh, yeah, I saw you going in and out on that one. Yeah, so Singularity is a game by Raven Software. Um, they're the Heretic and Hexen people mm-hmm. uh, from around 2010, and uh, it's it's part of a thing that I, I'm doing with Hot Cider, uh, where we talk about all of Raven's uh, games. And this one, it's like it's it's very much a Bioshock inspired game oh yeah uh, from time. the aesthetic and and somewhat of the story and all that stuff uh i don't think it's necessarily uh an imsim um well bioshock was barely an immersive sim right um it, oh, it I just wouldn't kind call of it that at all yeah i wouldn't call it that at all it just has kind of like the roots in you know system shock which is the one of the original imsims right. um but yeah so it's it's good. And I played, you know, like an hour of it. And then uh, I exited out and the game did not save. So <sighs> I've been having all sorts of issues with the the save file. Um, I, I, I returned it on Steam. And I tried I, I tried to install the, the good old games version. That one's that one didn't work either. Um, so I don't know. I'm 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 figuring it out. That is so frustrating. You put so much time into some of these. I mean, how how much? Yeah, I mean, you hadn't. How long had you played it before? I'd only played like an hour, but okay, I was but like, God I was like, I'm going to dedicate some time to it today. Yeah, and ev- all the time I would have dedicated to today was uh, me fucking about with like install <laughs> files and, right. and things like that. Um, which is oh, man, uh, it's always the bummer with uh, that is a bummer with computer games. But you know, it's 
it, it reminds me of being a kid and having our old, you know, Windows machine yeah. and having to like go into DOS and, and change settings and stuff just to get like the CD version of Day of the Tentacle to run yeah. or something like that. We we didn't have gaming rigs back in those days. It was just a computer. There were right. gaming computers. And so you had to, you know, if, if whether or not a game would or wouldn't work on your computer was anyone's guess, your dad wasn't helping you with it. He didn't know how the fuck it worked either. And sometimes you'd sit there and install Indiana Jones and the Quest for Atlantis on 16 uh, floppy disks and then find out it absolutely was not going to work. <laughs> No, and it was like, oh, you have to switch over from uh, SV good thing to BG thing and be like, right. oh, okay, I got to go and put in the thing that makes that happen. Yeah. And be like, oh, the sound's not working. You got nope. the right, you got the right thing selected. And be like, oh, okay. Is is this a sound blaster card? And be like, uh, no, it's not a sound blaster card, but it's a sound blaster compatible card. And be like, okay, so it should work with sound blaster. Maybe. Maybe. If you're lucky. Like it's a, it was a whole mess. Uh, PC gaming, days. PC gaming back in the early nineties. And I imagine, uh, I mean, in the eighties as well, cause I was, I mean, I was on the Commodore 64. Mm -hmm. That was, it was like a badge of honor just to make those things function. I Big mean, time. console yeah. games were also pretty hit or miss on their functionality too. If oh. the NES was, uh, it was an ergonomic nightmare in terms of bending the pins and all that stuff. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that when people get caught up, hooked up into the nostalgia of that time, the things that they are remembering is things that worked yeah, and not the other half of the equation of, just screaming at a machine. <laughs> no, you you forced that part out of your head, my friend. Anybody look like those games? No one loves uh, uh, those old classic games, you know, like people like me and Kevin. Like, but we also recognize that it was not, you know, <laughs> it was not this glorious golden age of of games that just worked you know I, look i i get frustrated with day one downloads and and patches and shit like that too but you know that kind of shit has always been with us that it's always been with us yeah yeah exactly all right so that'll do it for tonight's episode uh if you can do us a favor follow us on instagram at twitter at pixelit pod uh, head on over to our website uh, at Pixlet. Uh, it's www.pixletpod.com. From there, you can see, uh, read transcripts of each of the episodes, as well as find links to our Discord and our Steam page. Um, and if you're feeling really froggy, uh, go ahead and leave us a five star review on Apple, Spotify, um, and Good Pods. It really helps us out. Uh, in the discoverability on those platforms. And that'll do it for tonight's episode. Thank you so much, and have a good evening. <laughs>